You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Yes. and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Before we get into today's episode talking about a fabulous new Australian musical, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live and record, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Take it away with the bulletin, Tori. For this week's bulletin, we were lucky enough to be given the opportunity to go to the final preview of Come From Away during its Sydney season. So I do have a little bit of a review for you. I don't even know where to begin, honestly, with Come From Away. This is one of the most brilliant, uplifting, heart-wrenching shows I have ever seen. It has quickly and easily become a favourite of mine. The moment the drums start beating in the opening number, the audience become completely enthralled as the actors enter the stage to share this wonderful show and the true story of those stranded in Gander, Newfoundland, during the horrors of 9-11. The writing and orchestration of this show, without a doubt, is one of the most lyrical and succinct shows in theatres. It tells the story of not only the plain people, but of the Ganderites who welcomed 7,000 passengers into their homes, keeping them safe, fed and entertained during a time most remember as being a truly horrible moment in the world's history. Whilst the show does centre around this truly awful event, it is a show that brings light to the power of human connection and what we can do when we come together to help our fellow man. There are so many stories interwoven into this show and they all have their moment to shine, giving the audience an opportunity to see the experience from so many different points of view and understand the effect it had on people from all around the world. Some of the standout performances from this production that I believe I have to say was Emma Powell as Beulah, who you might remember from a previous episode, and Sharice Hamilton as Hannah. These two women portray total opposites, yet are drawn to one another and share what I believe to be one of the most heart-wrenching moments in the entire show. Whilst the show is mainly set in 2011, there are so many parallels that we can draw back to to 2020 during the height of the coronavirus. The isolation and fear felt when, as a world, we were faced with a situation we had never experienced in our lifetimes and how theatre communities came together to help our fellow artists get through and we continue to do so today. This show leaves not a dry eye in the house and rightly so. I believe everyone should go see Come From Away, regardless if you're a musical lover or not. It is a time in history we can almost all remember where we were or what we were doing in that day and in that time. And it's a story I believe everyone should have the opportunity to experience and see what true, raw human connection looks like and the impact it can have on the lives of thousands. In other news, we are so excited to announce that in conjunction with Alice's Adventures, we're doing our first ever giveaway. We'll be giving away two tickets for the sold out season of Alice's Adventures at the Glebe Town Hall for Saturday the 26th of June at 7pm. To enter, head over to our Instagram and make sure you're following ps.stagedoorpod and Alice's Adventures underscore the musical. Comment on our latest photo tagging one friend you'd like to take and what character you think you are from Alice in Wonderland. The winner will be drawn on Friday the 18th at 5pm. Good luck! Back over to you, Eliza. Today we are joined by two members of the creative team for the new Australian musical Alice's Adventures, Andy Freeborn and Jess Ramsey. Jess is a trained performer and graduated in early 2019 with a Diploma of Music Theatre from the Australian Institute of Music. Some of her theatre credits include Maggie in A Chorus Line and June in the musical of musicals, The Musical, just to name a few. She has explored many aspects of the theatre industry, dabbling in writing and design and is now pursuing a career in directing with Alice's Adventures. Andy Freeborn is a musician, writer, composer and performer. Having completed their Bachelor of Music in Music Theatre at the Australian Institute of Music, Andy has since performed and toured in shows including Spiegelesque with Kerman Creative as their accompanist and more frequently in The Vaudevillians playing the theatre-obsessed pianist 
touring Sydney, Rockhampton, Adelaide Fringe Festival, Piano Cruises, and in association with Create or Die. Andy's music theatre writing credits are Hansel and Gretel, Holy Ship, alongside his latest work, Alice's Adventures. For the last six years, Andy has been navigating and musicalising the famous text Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Andy, alongside a multi-talented cast and team, are on the quest to highlight the original text and explore the complex simplicities of learning, life and time. After multiple readings, a sung table read performance and a demo recording, Alice is heading to audiences for the first time in a workshop performance this June. The show follows Alice down life's resistless stream as she meets the blue caterpillar, mad hatter, march hare, dormouse, the infamous queen of hearts, and many more of the characters you love in a truly mad and whimsical night of fun. Please welcome to the mic, Andy and Jess. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, guys. How have you been? Ah, oh, busy. <laughs> Very busy. Yes. You guys are on soon with the show, so I'm sure you are working away with that. Mm, lots to do, lots to get done, but it's been awesome. Mm, yeah, full-time full job. <laughs> I can only imagine with how busy I am as to how busy you are being the actual... <laughs> you know creators of the show and (laughs) myself purely being um a part of it but how exciting at this point when this episode comes out it'll be two weeks oh my gosh (gasps) (laughs) but that's still two weeks from now when this comes out it just sounds so short oh no (laughs) i know just to add some stress It is so exciting. I love seeing new Australian work and um, getting to see. I'm so excited to come and watch. I'm coming on the 26th of June, so I've got my tickets already. Make sure everyone else listening gets their tickets because it is it's It's, selling fast already. Really quickly, we're so happy with how the ticket sales are going. It's amazing, and thank like we're so grateful for all the support. It's absolutely fantastic. We are so excited. Now, we might start actually by giving the audience a little bit of an insight into how you both got into theatre. So what are your kind of um, theatre stories and how did you get into theatre? Briefly. Um, I, take it away. <laughs> I originally grew up wanting to be a, um, a TV and film actor. Um, and that's all, oh, wow. all I wanted to do. Um, which is really odd to, cause I'm such an over-exaggerated person and I'm very, um, uh, I'm like a champagne bottle on stage. Um, and I went to a <laughs> NIDA TV workshop and they got me behind the camera and I found that I was asking questions about stage acting and I was being so theatrical the whole time that I thought maybe I should try it out on the stage. And I did drama classes and things like that where you perform on stage. But then, um, then I played one of the Jonas Brothers in Camp Rock. <laughs> yeah. you know, what thing is which Jonas it? Brother? The one that can't dance, yeah. And I, I had to dye my hair um, jet black, so I have flaming orange hair. Uh, the regrowth was horrible. <laughs> And um, from that Ooh, moment yeah. on, I just I fell in love with it. And then I did a production of Hairspray. We did like a month's run, like 28 shows. And I thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I remember stopping backstage, like learning more things about the show as we went, like halfway through the run going, oh, that's what that means. Just <laughs> silly things like that. And then I just, <laughs> and then I found Sondheim and there was no going back. Oh, you can't go back from some time. I don't think any of us have. <laughs> and how about you, Jess? Um, how did you get into theatre? Not as interesting as being a Jonas brother, but <laughs> uh, I suppose I, I started in gymnastics and ballet when I was younger, very tiny. Um, and then in like year, maybe year four or five or something, my primary school was putting on a you know, school musical and I, I didn't go for it. I didn't even think about it. And then halfway through their rehearsals, I was like, I kind of want to be in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I went to the pers- the teacher that was organising it and I was like, can I be in the show, please? <laughs> and so I got to be a dancing tree. 
<laughs> oh, I oh. love that. We love an origin story that includes a tree. The world has not seen such a tree. What show was it? Was it like... Um... I think it was oh, something about... a. It wasn't the secret garden, but it was like something like that. Like the giant's garden in the sky or something. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. There's a little um, investigation for everyone. Find out what musical possibly it could have been. <laughs> that is a fantastic intro into into theatre. It's definitely, I think, all those those fun little things that we discover when we're younger that really spark the creation to go, oh, yep, I want to do this. Mm. This is the thing I want to do with my life. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, one hundred. from then on, just hooked like that was the only thing i wanted to do it's like a drug it's so addictive just like drug but better you still broke <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you're not though I, I that's the one thing i love about the arts you've just, you've got like you get a job and you're like great oh my gosh i'm on top of the world and then the next day you're like where did all my money go <laughs> and where's my job and i need yeah. to start all over again there's no mm. like even like as leads and things like that, like they mm. they then don't have work anymore and mm. they're just in the same boat as everyone else. But I guess it mm. means that, you know, exactly. you live a life where you're not stuck in, I can never say this word correctly, monotony. Yeah. Every single day yeah. doing the exact same thing. You have the opportunity to mm. do whatever you like. I actually saw something on TikTok, like the good adult I am, <laughs> um, <laughs> about normalizing and I loved this normalizing having like working in retail or having a day job in order to be able to fulfill your dreams of whatever that might be and for performers sometimes it feels like you're not doing enough because Mm. you know you're not working every day in theater or Mm. you know or you're not working a full-time job you're not earning enough money but it's like if it gives you the means to be able to follow your dreams and absolutely do it because it is every day. Like you go from one day being the star on Broadway to <laughs> being unemployed for the next six months because the right casting hasn't come around. Yeah. Um, but you guys obviously have been kind of going through it with putting on this show at the same time because you are producing your own show, which it takes, you know, a big, you know, there's a lot of effort that has to go into that, mm. which obviously, and it becomes your full-time job, but you still got to work on the side of it. So it can yes. be a bit tough. I ended up, um, I quit my job um, <laughs> while producing really? and funding the show. Yeah, I um, I was not happy at all. And uh, I totally agree with that. You have to, you know, you need that side job. We need, you know, that inflow of cash to be able to help towards mm. your dream. But for me, it was the complete opposite situation I was so unhappy going into work and anxious and I thought this is now affecting my days off where I can be creative and I can have fun and sit at the piano and just kind of let my mind go where I'm whereas I'm thinking oh I have to go to work tomorrow um so it was a tough decision and Jess really helped me with that she was just like you're gonna get so much more done you're gonna be so much happier yes you'll be poorer but it's so much nicer to be poorer and happier than just have money and be unhappy And that's As, that's what I love about being an artist. It's it's thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, and as <laughs> as an artist, like you need to look after your mental health first, for sure, because it's such a difficult industry. And if you're doing a job that you just dread going to, that's not going to yeah. help you get jobs yeah. in the creative field. Anywho, as much as I would love to talk about mental health in the arts all day, any day, we we do have a show to actually talk about. Yes. Um, <laughs> And oh, to get yeah. into it, yeah, that, that, that's a thing <laughs> that we're here to talk about. Barely been um, on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> what initially inspired the creation of this show? <laughs> um, slight arrogance. Um, <laughs> so well, I've always been a... <laughs> I've always been a huge fan of Alice in Wonderland and my favourite version of it growing up was the 1996 or 7 movie, TV movie with Whoopi Goldberg and um, Martin Short, Gene Wilder. I absolutely loved it. I watched it all the time and my parents taped the video of it for me. Um, And growing up, I really wanted to do my own thing with Alice and there are sketchbooks somewhere of me 
drawing this haunted wonderland, actually. I'm not sure if I've told you this before, Jess. Um, no. Like a really horrifying wonderland. And I would no have been way. in year seven. Year six. So, oh, I loved art for like a good period. I got sketchbooks of drawings and things like that. <laughs> I'm not wow. saying they're good, but um, I designed this horrifying wonderland. And then a year later, kid you not, not saying he stole my idea, but Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland came out and had the entire hor- hor- horrific kind of visuals of it. Mine was pretty dark because I, I really like dark, dark comedy. Um, uh, and that's kind of what it was. And then I started to realize that not – well, I reread the book and no version of Alice had I come across – being really true and honest to the original book. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Why is that? And then I started to musicalize in December 2015 um, wow. the, the book uh, and how it might sound um, literally just off of the page. And I'm not taking off, like I'm not taking my own ideas. Um, like I, I'm obviously putting my own ideas into it, but I'm really trying to stick to the book and not take many liberties. And I think I've successfully done that. I mean, there's points where, like, the show used to have 72 pieces of music in its original draft. Now there's 23. Oh, my. The second draft had, like, 50 <laughs> songs. So every every time we're, like, losing music. and But sometimes a lot of it was underscoring because I really wanted to get every moment of the book out. And then I learned I, that's it, not for a good night's entertainment anyway. Um, and now, and now we're here at like draft. I don't even know what, um, uh, but that's what initially did it. Cause I thought for my idea of what Alice in Wonderland was that no one had done it, um, right yet, or as in to the book's integrity. So that's the slight arrogance I was talking about. And, um, and I thought, well, I'm going to do it. Oh, 100%. I mean, um, so for those that don't know, I actually was in your first workshop. So I actually listened to some of your first stuff, which was really awesome. And I remember when I went in and we started doing it, I was like, oh, wow, this is not like the Alice in Wonderland Disney version. I was like, this is so different. And I was like, oh, this is actually the book. This is the real one. Like, this is what, and it's so removed from that. It's it's got similarities, but it's Mm. totally different. And that's what is so exciting to actually see it in its true form because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have read the book when they were a kid and are absolutely obsessed with it and want to actually see that represented on stage. Mm. Mm. I love how universal Mm. this book is um, and how many people have grown to love it and it's a part of so many people's lives, um, whichever version it is. And I have nothing against any other version. I just wanted to – Lewis Carroll, right before he – passed away wanted to musicalize it with the musical team Gilbert and Sullivan um and he was close to doing it he was in discussions with the composer of the duo I always forget who it was Uh, but then he passed away and it never happened he died at like 66 years of age which is really sad um, but, um... Sad. and um, obviously you guys have been Andy you have been working on this for a, quite a while since 2015 yeah but um, how did Jess come on board as director how did you guys kind of make that happen and make the decision to um, have Jess as the director um <laughs> yeah well so I guess I kind of started being a part of it when we became friends and started doing the workshop in 2019 um and only like the end of last year or the beginning of this year maybe I think we realized what I'd been doing this entire time was directing Andrew in writing it Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so it just kind of made sense to keep me on as the director of the show for this workshop I suppose Mm. um yeah, like I never knew because I he they'd always come to um, me and be like, "What do you think of this song? How can I make it better? Like, does it need changing? What can I add?" And I would like kind of direct it and think about the character and their intentions and stuff, and uh, it just made sense, I suppose. And we realized, oh, I've been directing this show this entire time. <laughs> I guess I'll <laughs> keep doing Definitely. it. Yeah. 
And you guys work so well together. You can tell in like the rehearsal room that you collaborate really well because you were, were you stage managing the first? Yeah, workshop? project. Production, production manager, project. I think, was my official yeah, title. I was, like, yeah. <laughs> I was just helping Which out was, here and yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you guys work so well together. So it's really exciting to see that you, you've you come on board as a director because I feel like you're the person that knows the show the best as well. And you like, because you guys have worked so well together on it. Mm. It's like you're, you're able to really have the vision come together mm. as a collective, mm -hmm. which is really lovely. Yeah, we're both on the same page. Yeah, and Jess had come to me uh, having read the book, um, mm. uh, which she'd avoided reading for her entire life. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it's just, I get scared by that kind of stuff. Like, I don't like Dr. Seuss because it's really freaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, same I thing with mean. Alice in Wonderland. It's like this scary kind of different world that I'm just like, Mm -mm. no no don't want to be there mm. it's not comforting <laughs> so I feel like you're not interested in fantasy or sci-fi or anything of that form then <laughs> no I I actually love fantasy and sci-fi though because so many people find that more so specifically talking about how I guess topsy-turvy the idea of Wonderland is which some people find incredibly... It's very upside. It's very unconventionally whack. Yeah, but mm. lots of people really enjoy that. So it's really interesting <laughs> how you find that quite uncomfortable almost. Yeah, um, that's exactly... The imagery of that world. The word I would use, I suppose. Just disconcerting and like, mm. yeah, really freaky. I just... So I didn't want to read the book and I finally did because obviously I was about to direct it as a musical yes. so I kind of need to read the book and yeah. yeah it's just from an adult's point of view it's not fun like it's just not a comfortable nice mm. place that you want to be in like a child might look at it and be like oh this is cool like and wouldn't understand like that it's actually kind of scary like there's we have a song that's in it in the show called The Nightmare Lullaby. And that's, yeah, the part of the Alice's dream that we see as it becoming an actual nightmare. And it's really dark and the sounds of the orchestrations are really horror movie-like. Um, mm. mm. So, yeah, we kind of came at this from a place of an adult's perspective when mm. they would read the book rather than from a child's perspective. Mm. Yeah. And from uh, Lewis Carroll's point of view, um, or Charles Dodgson, when writing the book, and Jess mm -hmm. came to me with after she read it and had this vision, and in a way kind of said, I need to direct this. Like we understood <laughs> how writing and working together relationship had for years been um, director and writer, but we never really kind of labelled it like that. But looking back, it's like, oh, that's mm -hmm. totally what it's, it's always yeah. been. And then Jess was like, yeah. this is the book. And so many people read Alice in Wonderland and go, you know, it's about puberty. It's about changes, you know, going up and down and your your limits are pushed. And a lot of people's kind of uh, idea of Wonderland is that. And then Jess, probably one of the first people I talked to about it for the first time, saw the Lewis Carroll part of it. And I'd never had a discussion with someone else about Lewis Carroll in that way before. And that kind of made me excited to go, of course you're the director for this piece. <laughs> um, yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, and we're not highlighting, you know, the things that you would expect us to highlight. And I think we realised we were on the same page. Like, And the fact that Jess gets excited about my my style of music, which isn't very... Like a lot of musicals now. And I'm, like, yeah, a, a very easy four-chord kind of thing. I'm not saying there's not thought put into it, but... Um, this book called for a wacky but um, cleverly thought out score. Mm. And I'm just really lucky that Jess enjoys my harmony writing, which are all really <laughs> absolute nonsense. <laughs> As Tori's going, ah! <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I love it. I, I, love, I love it so much. No, I really do. But I think that's the great thing is that it was really interesting when you were doing the very first workshop and I remember 
I don't think I, I necessarily heard anything because it was obviously a private workshop. Mm. But also mm. now being a part of it, the way I do describe it to people is there are many adaptations of Alice in Wonderland, a lot of which I really love, like Alice by Heart. I absolutely adore that. But this is Alice in Wonderland adapted into a musical. It's not an adaptation of it where they're in a war bunker or it's modern day and it's about having abandonment issues or so on and so forth with all the different versions. Alice um, going back to Wonderland in her mid-30s, which everyone seems to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's so odd. It really is Alice in Wonderland, which I think is something so exciting because I've definitely, you know, someone's like, oh, but it's just another adaptation but to me, and it's not because I'm part of it, it's just because of listening to it and knowing the story so well growing up with it that it mm. really is the adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Um, oh, thanks for saying really, that, Tori. Really, it really, mm. just, really just is the story and it is not light and fluffy. Like, it is fun. Um, it definitely has light moments, but it has mm. the honesty of life in this crazy topsy-turvy world i don't know if i make any sense with what i say no it that's really, nice. that's, really it's nice to just... hear that's what we want to get across so yeah it's exactly what we're yeah. trying to do so obviously the show has gone through a lot and um both uh, together through these changes how has the show developed and changed since your first workshopping process how is the latest workshop different from you know the last workshop that you did. The show has musically and in a color, in a colorful kind of sense, become a lot darker. Um, and a lot of, mm. actually really ironically, COVID shaped mm. the key, one of the key musical motifs through the entire show. Um, so there's, there's one bit in the show that, um, well, the whole show is based off of this da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then that's it. And then everything is kind of shaped around those notes. Um, and we were in COVID and I realized that the Cheshire Cat scene, which was the hardest scene to write for years, and I'd never nailed it and I'd never gotten it right. Um, I was like, oh, this needs to come from Alice's point of view. And um, wrote these lyrics about life not going the way you kind of expect it to or plan. And then Jess was like, this is what's been going on this year. And COVID and our situation being in lockdown in the UK was, um, I don't know, really important to help make the show grow. So from our first table read workshop, it was very light and fun and it had the moral of just life, what is it but a dream, which it still is the moral of the show, but now it's very life what is it but a dream? And there's a lot more like passion to those words. Mm. And I just really think like, and Jess coming on board as the director, like just how the world is and how Jess has seen the, the book. Uh, I hope I'm making sense, but it yeah, really it, just feels like yeah, sense, the yeah. darkness of the world we live in, um, which I mean, everyone's forever lived through dark times. Like there's not a part of human history where we're like, Oh, everything's great. Um, it's just that this particular thing really helped shape Alice and we didn't mean it to. Mm. Yeah, it's really the major change from the last workshop is that it's gone from a children's story to an adult story, really. it's mm. it, All the songs used to be very light, very playful, happy, kind of nonsensical tunes and yeah, we've really kind of the darkness has started to seep into it now. Yeah. Of of adult life and kind of ah, uh, just <laughs> that yeah. feeling of existentialism. Mm. <laughs> yeah, which I think the way they, and especially what you just said, that it has turned from more of a children's show into more of an adult based show. Mm. But definitely being a part of it and looking at it from an audience point of view and something that I think theatre does need to do more of, which I think you've done really well, is 
making shows or pieces or films that can be enjoyed for children and adults mm-hmm. which yeah. i think so easily you could bring a child along there are very few moments that i've seen that <laughs> um you know you wouldn't want a child to see i think all of it you yeah. would and but as an adult watching it there you take so much more away exactly. from it yeah that's mm. kind Which of is awesome that's totally what we were trying to do we wanted to make it enjoyable and uh real for all audiences um just something they can take away because everyone every single person is going to take something different away from alice it's so universal and so it, it's just really generalized like you can take whatever you want for away from alice yeah. it's about the really like complexities of life and that is it there's no major typical themes in it like it's just about life so you can take whatever morals you want from it and it's going to be different whether it's a five-year-old or a 35-year-old or a 55-year-old yeah because we're we're all at different points in life and we can all learn something from it a hundred percent I think that is it's very exciting to hear from from my perspective. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to come and watch um, all the changes and all the new music and also to see it on stage, which is because the music is, it's really tricky for the ensemble and, yeah. and things like that. Like, it's really hard. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. add movement on top. I'm going to oh, be yeah. like, hats off. I'm so excited to see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the part of the fun as well. Like the nonsensical nature we mm. has been really important to keep in the show Um, because like a lot of people go, what is the book about? And those kind of things. But um, really, it's just Lewis Carroll. Bark, bark. Um, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, uh, It's me, everyone. I'm just barking in the background. Um, It's it's just Lewis Carroll's nonsensical fun, and there's just something really relaxing Mm. about just listening to something that, doesn't have to mean anything if you walk away from the Mm. show going well that was fun i don't know what it was about but god that was fun great as long as it was entertaining and like a absolute we want to make it a spectacle just something really just an awesome piece of theater for people to see like Mm. i don't they don't have to take anything away from it if they don't want to and i guess on that note we are going to now play a bit of a game. Um, Tori has come up with a really awesome game for oh, you guys, cool. which is different from what we've done before. Um, so Tori, take it away. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be, you're each going to get turns. You each have three turns and we do have a tiebreaker if it is necessary. But I'm going to be giving you quotes from the book. Oh. And you need to tell me who, without cheating, <laughs> you need to tell me who says this quote. Now, I realized when doing this, wow, the accuracy is terrifying because it makes it really hard for me to find quotes that I've um, not heard elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So these may be easy. This may be hard. I really don't okay. know. Well, Andrew's um, read the book like, a billion times a million. so yeah. i think they might have a bit of a lead on me here i mean we'll, well see we'll see okay andy the best way to explain it is to do it oh my goodness no 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 it's okay the best way to explain it is to do it is the dodo Yes, Whoa. you are correct. Yeah. So that is this a point is good. to Andy. Ding. And now I feel like you're just going to know them all bloody hell. All right. <laughs> Too smart for your own good. <laughs> all right, Jess. Give me an easy If one. everyone minded their own business, the world would go round a deal faster than it does. A duchess. That's correct. Well oh. done. Well done. That's, that's sung in the show. <laughs> This was my issue. There is one that blatantly I'm like, well, you're going to get because. (laughs) So, Andy. Yeah. It's very easy to take more than nothing. (laughs) Uh, See, this is what. uh, 
when musicalizing it, I believe I changed it around a few times. So I'm just going to flick through the book in my head. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I did it right in the scoring and that it's the Mad Hatter. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> so you, upset. Uh, Uh, that pause made me go she made you jump then (laughs) I you know all those times Eliza that I've made games too hard (laughs) yeah this this is hard like for me I would not know and I always feel bad I feel I feel worse when it's too easy if you have a copy of the book you can just go through it if you like I I feel good (laughs) that I'm getting it right so that's fine make it easy please (laughs) yeah see let's just Everyone can leave happy. It's so fun. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This one, you know, you know what? No. We're going to swap these. I'm sorry. I'm making this up as we go. No. Because I'm, no, no. I feel like the one I was going to give you is harder and I want to oh. give it to Andy because I want to cause him pain. Good. That's um, a good idea. <laughs> so Jess. Yes. I don't see how he can never, no. I don't see how he can ever finish if he doesn't begin. Oh. Well. Oh no. <laughs> I'm not sure. Hey, look, a hard one. This is good. Can you repeat it, please? <laughs> I can. Do you know it? Andrew? I don't. I don't see how he can ever finish if he doesn't begin. Ooh. <laughs> Um, I can list the characters, but I feel like you might know them. <laughs> gonna give like an A, B, C. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, um, A. The Treasure Cat. B. <laughs> the Queen of Hearts. C. Alice. Is that is that all the options? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's the options. Like I'll go, go with Alice. Correct. Ah! <laughs> that's the tea party scene. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm. I thought it was. But I was about... like, that's not in the yeah. song. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, it's not there. <laughs> it's not in the song. Where is it? Um, all right, Andy. Let's see if you can catch Andy out. Let's go. I now oh, don't nervous. know, honestly. I'm going to be so embarrassed. Okay. No, right. come on. There's so many words in the book. You can't be expected to memorize them all. All right, Andy. I don't like the look of it at all. However, it may kiss my hand if it likes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally word for word in the... Oh, <laughs> Oh, well, it's the King of Hearts to the Cheshire Cat in the chapter. No, I I literally (laughs) just remembered where this takes place. She couldn't even remember what's in the chapter. (laughs) Well, I'm not technically part of that. We've got one more. Is that right? No. So this could be a tiebreaker. Oh, no, no, this this is is for Jess. Yes, yes. Okay, Jess. To begin with, a dog's not mad. You grant that. The Cheshire Cat. That is correct. Ooh! Now, the next one is a tiebreaker. And this is purely going to be, you need to buzz in with your name. And please do your (laughs) name. If you ding, I'm not going to know who does it. I will say it, (laughs) and then I will count down three, two, one, and then... You can buzz in, all right? Okay. <laughs> all right. So it is. Oh, my God. This one got, should be easy. Got my hand prepared like a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. Andy. Three. Oh. Wait. No, I didn't count. count it. <laughs> all right. It was taking too long to count. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... <laughs> All right, all right. (laughs) Three, two, one. Yes. Eddie. (laughs) (gasps) Yes. Yes, Got in first. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Uh, I hope I'm right. It's the Queen of Hearts. (laughs) No. 
I demand that is brilliant. <laughs> oh, well done. Yes. Now, I guess on the track of Lewis Carroll, um, how did you guys adapt Lewis Carroll's words into the show in a way that doesn't just make us feel like we're reading the book? Mm. Um, I, I love that question. I'm really glad I have the book here. Um, I wasn't cheating in the game, I swear. <laughs> Let me read it to you. Um, so how I, how I decided to write it was read the book and see how it jumped out to me. So the first lines are, Alice was beginning to get very tired of sitting by her sister on the bank and of have, and of having nothing to do once or twice. She had peeked into the book her sister was reading, but it had no pictures or conversations in it. And what is the use of a book, thought Alice, without pictures or conversation? And what I did was I, that the show used to open with a song called Words. And a lot of the lyrics were, what is the use of a book without pictures of conversation? And I chose words in the book that helped me, um, that I used it as a phrase, but then would help me take the story somewhere. Because the song needed to be a song for a reason. I wasn't just going to have a song. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I should credit Lewis Carroll as a lyricist for the show, but um, <laughs> I definitely used a lot of his words to help shape the show um and his use of language and words is very very odd um i think i'm a little similar when i when i write things initially i'm jess is nodding her head very um, very <laughs> evidently um i'm very nonsensical and just kind of going blah 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 um there are uh lyrical pieces in the book that he wrote uh, like the lobster quadrille um a song called wah um uh, <laughs> things like that um, that I took word for word initially and then ended up not taking some of it. But I definitely put my own interpretation onto it. Um, but I very much um, took the fact that there is no copyright on Alice in Wonderland uh, and used um, <laughs> used his text. Really? And, and in fairness, a lot of the time when... Um, composers or lyricists are writing a new work they'll have the book writer write plays or vignettes and uh, sorry scenes and vignettes and then they'll take bits of dialogue that are like ah oh, that's the character how okay that sings to me and then they'll go from there um so using you know what is the use of a book without pictures or conversation for me really sung uh and i did that through a lot of the book um in the same chapter he says down, down, down a few times. And that for me sculpted how many times there were key changes or how many times we went down, down, down the amount of uh, the length of the chapters. Like a lot of the time Alice falls really quickly in people's versions of Alice or like maybe she falls for like 30 seconds to a minute, but the chapter goes on for like uh, way too long. Like it takes a good couple of minutes to read. So I was like, she's fallen for a long time how can I musicalize this? Um, so I've kind of got a little bit of a tangent from your question, but uh, I've definitely used his words, um, I don't know, verbatim and very uh, strictly at points. Uh, but that's because he said it better than I could have tried to interpret it. Yeah. And I guess it's as well, like just what jumps out as the, the key words or phrases that are emphasized and that you can go from there. I mean, I still have going down. I, don't, I, I can't even remember the, the title yeah. right now, but I still that's have that in yet. my head all the time. I always sing it. Yeah. It's just always there. I always it's have that, it in my and, head all and the time. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's amazing to see how those things really inspired the, the music behind it and that they really pair strongly together mm. because yeah. sometimes you, you're actually listening to Lewis Carroll and what they thought that the show should be and you're taking that and really pairing what you, your interpretation is quite well in that. And I really believe content dictates form. It's a thing that I believe really helps create good theatre. Um, and if you can justify literally every part of, like, every note of every bar, every word, um, how the melody goes on that line, um, and having such a brilliant base of a book 
to go off of and said of nonsensical words that was just him writing you know writing a story mm. um there was nothing yeah. else to it. it wasn't trying to be clever he was just writing a story for a girl that asked him can you write down that story you told me the other day and he went okay mm. and i mean some and things did get born bit. a little differently like a caucus race mm. is not in the book it's pretty much a sentence um, I think it goes on to say something about how they ran around for a while, obviously I'm paraphrasing, mm. and then they all stopped and then the chapter goes on with the mouse talking. So really I could have gone in the direction of the mouse taking control of the scene, but that was very boring from an entertainment point of view. Mm. And um, mm. we really needed a part to go, okay, let's make everyone relax now. We've stressed them out with, you know, falling down this rabbit hole for like <laughs> five minutes and crunchy harmonies and let's chillax. Mm. So um, I've taken my liberties here and there, but um, mm. I've tried to really stick to his word as Bible. I'm really <laughs> glad to know as well now who I have to blame for all of my key changes in that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is Lewis Carroll. Yeah. And it's the same with yeah. the, the Tea oh, Party yeah. song. I'm sorry to keep going on this point, but um, when I initially read yeah. the Tea Party, I was absolutely baffled. There's no rhythm to the scene. Like when you read it like a book, the author is so good at creating a rhythm as to how you read it. If you slow down, if you speed up, you're going, ah, I really need to find out. But the reading the mad tea party scene, it is so nonsensical and the rhythm is constantly changing. And I kind of went, it was giving me a headache reading it. <laughs> and then it gave me a headache writing it. And it gives me a headache listening to it um, even now, but all for the good, all for the right reasons. Uh, and that's when I went, right, this song is stuck in time. This song needs to have a different time signature every bar if I can. Um, and yeah, so his words very much shaped how the show goes musically. And I'm kind of nervous to write an, another musical, like what we do next, because there's not what we're choosing to do next. There's not as much to go off of in terms of information. And I've found it really helpful having such a good base. It'll be interesting to see what, what you can do next then yeah. like you know what what other materials do speak and have you got something in the works yes, yeah i'm now just do. like excuse me yeah i, yeah, I can well, say really. it, yeah it was again born out of arrogance because someone else has made it a musical <laughs> uh we didn't actually know someone made it a musical i read this article and i thought this is so beautiful i love this story i saw it from a different point yeah. of view and then i googled it. i was like oh i bet you someone else has so i listened to their musical and i thought if they've done it the way that you know, it, it's good. And I, I ended up not liking it. Uh, and <laughs> um, so Jess and I have decided that that's going to be our next piece after Alice, mm. um, which we're really excited for. We're it's so different. Excited. It's so, so yeah. different. It's yeah. really beautiful. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah, beautiful story. Well, there you go, guys. Exclusive here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come back in six years no yeah, exactly <laughs> no yeah. no <laughs> we really want to change theater kind of back to the way it was before theater became really easy but also um change it to make it more exciting and with jess's amazing brain in terms of direction but also her synesthesia mm. um i think it's um we're gonna shake shake shit up I mean, if you look through history, I think that Australia hasn't, um, I feel like Australia is needing that kind mm. of direction in terms of their own theatre and theatre making, yeah. because I mean, the, we are settlers. The reason that our, our music is the Literally. way it is, is mm -hmm. because it's all imported. Mm -hmm. So like for us to create, I think that's kind of where we're going in theatre yeah. is creating our own identity mm -hmm. and through like new works such as Alice and such as other works that have been coming mm -hmm. out it's exciting to see kind of a new push in where we should be going perfect beautiful little segue you've created for me yes there. <laughs> you're welcome see what you did. <laughs> oh, I can never I've tried to say this multiple times because I've found it so fascinating since finding out mm -hmm. um but uh, Jess you, you did recently post on Instagram specifically the Alice's Insta Alice's Alice's Adventures Instagram that you do have Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Syne oh, yeah, how do you say Synesthesia. Synesthesia. I'm not going to try because I sound like an actual idiot. Um, that, so, and can you explain to us a little bit about, so what that actually means and what it means to you and how you've used it to heighten your 
directorial style because so far working with you as an actor it has really done something entirely different with how I look at um not only my character in this but character in general oh well thank you that's very kind of you so synesthesia is um it there's lots and lots of different types um but the one I have is to do with color and so I see letters numbers words um and music as colors in my brain like it just it's an association kind of thing um for example the letter a is red (laughs) um tori your name is pink eliza your name's lemony lime (laughs) that is so cool (laughs) um that's amazing (laughs) yeah so it really it does kind of make me think differently when I'm acting and when I'm writing and when I'm directing if if a certain passage of uh dialogue doesn't look the right colors then it's probably not going to work on stage (laughs) for me at least um yeah and so every scene in Alice every song is a particular painting of colors to me and it um that really dictates I suppose the shapes the movement the character decisions I make for each song um yeah it's (laughs) it's really interesting I suppose to have um and it does really help with being a creative person it's a it's a very creative person thing to have synesthesia um a lot of creative it it's mostly in creative people I think like Lady Gaga has it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I think I so. I think that's someone that has it. That's... Does it does it actually help with? I mean, characterization and direction. Mm-hmm. Um, do, are the words that the characters say? Did that help you kind of inform a choice around about what you feel like their their characters' personalities are like? Does that kind of help in that way? Um, it definitely can, and I think it helps mostly when writing dialogue or directing someone writing dialogue words if they have a certain color like if it's a darker color obviously that kind of line of dialogue might be said in a darker way um but if it's yeah so it's really kind of helps dictating what words and when you really think about what words to put in this character's speech Mm. and what words they would use that it, and it's really helped me as well. And there's um, songs we've written outside of Alice, you know, unaffiliated, um, that, you know, if I'm at the piano, Jess would go, that's not quite the right colour. And we don't necessarily mean musical colour. Uh, we literally mean colour. Um, <laughs> whether whether that's the rhythm, the key, um, what notes I'm playing in the chord, like it'll come down to bits and pieces, like if I'm playing a just you know mm. like a basic triad or if i'm checking yeah. the seventh or ninth or whatever on how, top. how full or how empty the sound is mm. and that's really helped with alice and that's wow. what's really shifted with just kind of becoming the director slowly over the last however many years um especially with the new stuff in the show and like there's one song that's almost done being written and um that was a big conversation we've had over the last couple of weeks in terms of the colour and the emptiness of the song, how little the piece actually Mm. requires. And it started very full and Jess kept saying back, 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 back. And then it's like, ah, it's just right. It's like the Goldilocks thing. It's like we found the right shade of the right colour. Yeah, it's absolutely Mm -hmm. jackpot (laughs) to work with. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Especially in this type of show. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously when I say stuff, that I see color wise I'm like I know this might not make any sense to the actors that I'm telling it to but it makes sense to me so I'm glad (laughs) I'm glad that you have made some sense of it Tori Um, no I think it it always so far has made perfect sense Um, yeah color is really important to me in being a creative person like I'm never not going to use color to inform any art that I do 
it's a, it's very very powerful. And in terms of the story, um, what does this story mean to you both? And how do you hope that it will impact the audience watching? The story for me, uh, I don't know. It's tough. It means a lot of things. Like it's such a wonderful escape and stories and ways of telling stories before Alice's Adventures in Wonderland came out were all very much told the same way. And Lewis Carroll like really changed storytelling. Um, like books like Peter Pan, Wizard of Oz all came after this adventure of just nonsense and going somewhere and doing things. And I think the story has settled within me since, you know, being a child of just being able to just be mad and be, and that nonsensical is fine and fun, which I got lost for a little while, um, especially in my writing. And I got very, everything needs to be for reason and mapped out. Um, but to me, it's just this nonsensical escape of, uh, of and from real life. Like it's very much, this is real life, but it lets you escape in the, in the glitz um, um, of real life. Um, and I really hope audiences can just be inspired, uh, and enjoy whatever their wonderland is. That sounds, I hate saying that, um, <laughs> sounds so wanky. Um, but, but yeah, like, like wonderland for me is, is real life. Um, and there's this beautiful lyric or epigraph that Lewis Carroll wrote in one of his books about, the resemblance of life and a stream, which is a river of time, and that we're all just stuck in it and we're all just going down it and there are glints in the gleam of of the river. And I just hope people can see that life is fun and, you know, and acknowledge it. Like we're not kind of going escape, escape, escape completely, but it's like there's reality, there's the dream, put them together. What a sandwich. Awful. I like, I don't really know what I'm talking about anymore, but. Um, <laughs> what a sandwich. <laughs> it's a, sa- life a sandwich. Is a sandwich, yeah. There's the quote for the episode. Life is a sandwich. Um, life is a hasty sandwich. <laughs> um. yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, it just means so much, so many things to me, and I think it will mean so many things to so many people. And, um,. I don't know, it's just a, that's just a really hard question to answer. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you mean by that. And and taking away that life can life is a bit of like a, a caucus race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jess, did you want to add anything? Yeah, because Alice is so, as we said, universal. I think it means different things to different people. And what I really connected with was... Lewis Carroll, this um, adult man telling this story. And obviously every story, everything creative that comes out of someone is going to be influenced by their life experience, whether or not they want it to be. So for me, reading the story, I felt like I could kind of glimpse into Lewis Carroll's perspectives on life. And I really related to that, how kind of he sees everything that's happening in the adult world and it's just absolute nonsense to him. And he he just wants the simplicity and love and fun of childhood back. And, yeah, so that's kind of what I connect to with Alice and whether or not... I mean, that's kind of what I'm putting into my directorial vision, I suppose, as well. Um, uh, and, yeah, the analogy of life being a, an endless stream that's being rowed by time, that's also another really important theme that I feel is what I'm also trying to say as well. And uh, Lewis Carroll making that analogy it feels like life you're on a boat and you have no control over it and that's another important thing that I connect to as well but yeah audiences can take whatever they want from it because it's really open and generally you can just you can just take whatever it's about absolute nonsense and Mm. but that's 
for me is what I connect to. I guess on the talk of what I guess you hope people experience from this show, what do you hope for Alice's adventures in the future? Uh, it's one word and it's got eight letters and it's called Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. we, we, we dream we're, big. We're very <laughs> ambitious. Yeah, there's there's no point dreaming small. I mean, no. like you yeah. you set yourself limits, and there's absolutely no point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's this no thing reason came it my can't head. be on Broadway. Yeah, and I get really yeah. frustrated at people who set themselves limitations. I mean, I understand the situa- situations come about, but um, I think there's no point at doing that, and you've just got to if you if you want something. Absolutely, go for it. It's been one of my goals since I was 13 to be an EGOT member and win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And it, that my goal, that has not changed. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, we want it to just be the biggest and best it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we'll, we won't stop. Uh, yeah, 100%. I definitely can see it going really far the show so I'm really excited to come and watch it I mean see what see what's been changed and everything because you guys like already had an amazing amazing product before so this is definitely not a show you want to miss and see in this stage like it is Mm. it's pretty special so I am very excited I'll get to go see it so I hope everyone buys their tickets thank you yeah (laughs) thanks it's super exciting and I guess to wrap things up today, we're going to finish on a bedtime story. And or two. Can be, uh, or two. Can <laughs> we'll, choose we'll see. to both do one or only one. <laughs> we'll see. This can literally be anything like oh. a stage mishap, literally anything. <laughs> um, so I've, I've always prided myself on my quick change ability. Um, I've always played multiple <laughs> characters in shows. Um, and always been really that good doesn't at kind bode of well um yeah <laughs> and then one show i was doing in-flight entertainment in uh in queensland we were performing in an air hangar and my dressing room was right at the back of the audience so my entrances and exits were through the crowd at the back i just had this table and for, i'm not sure what happened but i tapped danced off stage and i thought great i need to get into my next character and as I was getting changed, I looked up at the stage and I thought, that, oh, I must not be on for ages then. And then I thought, oh, I'm meant to be on like now. And I had the pants on for one character, um, my wig off, <laughs> I had to change like three different wigs through the show. And then I had the top half in one character. So I had my the head of me as one character, the middle as another, and the bottom as another and so I just came onto the stage and I remember the cast looking at me like, I know this is a podcast, you can't see my face, but you could just see everyone just kind of like dropped jaw, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I had, I had nothing right. But then I had to enter, it gets worse, I had to enter after that as a different character and that point of the show was my only exit off the stage backstage. Like all my other entrances and exits were the back of the audience and this one was at this point and my costume was left all the way at the other end of the thing so I I had no idea what to do so I had to run around through these planes in the dark tripping over trying to be quiet in tap shoes (laughs) grab my wig and then run back around in tap shoes on concrete oh my gosh um oh that's so funny yeah <laughs> i remember talking to the director recently going oh yeah i'm fine with quick changes and he was like well not to my remembering <laughs> oh, uh, i'm sure i think i almost fell into the <laughs> orchestra the pit when i was like in oliver at one point but that's that's another story i'm really keen to hear jesse oh <laughs> i this is so embarrassing <laughs> I this is a high school production of High School Musical and I was Sharpay and um I was I went off stage to get changed for um Bop to the Top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um and this is a high school production so we have to turn our own mics on and off when we leave the stage. 
Oh my god. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a disaster. So oh I, no. I forgot to turn it off at this particular <gasps> point. Um, <laughs> no, I'm okay. so I'm getting changed into like a leotard, um, and Troy and Gabriella are singing their beautiful duet on stage <laughs> at this time, and I decide to tell Ryan while I'm changing you know I'm just gonna push up my boobs a bit in this leotard and so that (laughs) came through on the speakers (laughs) while Troy and Gabriella were singing to each other (laughs) and they (laughs) I think apparently the audience cracked up Troy and Gabriella cracked up Something wow. I'm just gonna put I mean, on my boobs. Of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of fitting for the character though, so yeah, it's yeah. even funnier. <laughs> Sharpay just had to like Sharpay. What? <laughs> exactly. Start of something exactly. new. It was What's a character Shopee? choice, guys. It was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes <laughs> that. Guys, I absolutely love those. They were such good stories. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Sadly, that does bring our interview to an end. But if Aww. you would like to see the absolute madness um, and hilarity and wonderfulness that is this show, please head over to Instagram and follow Alice's Adventures underscore the musical where you can not only follow the shenanigans, but you can purchase your tickets for June the 25th and June the 26th at the Glebe Town Hall. I mean, I feel like I'm being really biased when I say this because I am in the show um, and it as and it is fabulous um, and it is fabulous and you don't want to miss it. Um, so please buy tickets. You'll regret it if you don't. I'll come for your kneecaps. Um. <laughs> we all will. Oh, no. With our Tonys. Yes. <laughs> With our Tonys, yes. Exactly. Um, but anyway, thank you both so, so much for coming on and having a chat with us tonight. We cannot wait to see where this goes. Obviously, it's only going up from here because it's already a phenomenal piece of work. Um, so thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Thank so, you so both much. so much. It was so enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It's such a good time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, we will see everyone next time. Stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.